God bless you and welcome to New Vision Podcast. Our message today is being delivered by our senior pastor, Will Pena. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning. I'll take it that the worship kind of uh, drained you a little bit. But it's the 11 o'clock crowd, so y'all should be louder than that. Good morning. Okay. For the 9 a.m. crowd, I get it. They got to wake up super early, but the 11 o'clock crowd should be good to go. How are you guys? Good. How was your week? The best? Oh, blessed. Okay. Long, short, rough. <laughs> Somebody said, bruh. Uh, you know, I always say our Sunday morning messages are really, uh, for Tuesday afternoon, are really for, just pulling up my notes, guys, sorry. Really for Wednesday afternoon, when you need that uh, uh, pick-me-upper, that you need to, you know, can go back to your word, to your notes, and be like, wow, this is what the Lord said. So uh, let us pray really quick before we get into Waymaker Part 3. This is a good one today. I hope you brought something to, to take notes. And if you don't take notes, take notes. I'm going to be looking at you and I'm going to call you out now. I'm sorry. Uh, I want you to take notes, man, because I, I, I want to know that it's doing something for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So won't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what you have already done in this room. We thank you for our Spanish service. Thank you because you moved in such a powerful way this morning. But we believe that there's more. And we believe that we are here because you want to encounter us. But also you want to change something in us. Uh, our mindsets, uh, the way we, we think about things, Lord. You, you want us to see things the way you see them. So, Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room, everyone that will be listening to this podcast throughout the week. Father, I pray that this blesses them in ways that they never imagined. Father, I pray for your strength at this point over my life, and I pray for wisdom uh, and the boldness to deliver this message in the same way you gave it to me. I don't want to alter a thing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let me ask you, has Waymaker been helpful for you? Has it... Has it has it said something to your life? I mean, we, we write these things and we think about them, but if they don't do anything for the body, they're just good messages that we can post online. And people, I mean, I want people from all over to get blessed, but I want my people to get blessed. And I, and I, I get excited with the testimonies around the world, people that you guys will never encounter, people that I will never encounter, that message us, um, either through email or message us through the app or um, through Facebook that say, hey, listen, this message and those people, you may never encounter them or I may never encounter them. But for me, it's, it's more satisfaction when the people in the house can say, hey, listen, I remember such and such series and that message did this for me. So today we go into Waymaker Part 3. Uh, Last week was, was pretty strong, and uh, how many of us were able to surrender our boats? <laughs> and how many of us chose favor over fish? Favor, man, favor. I was telling someone this week, favor ain't fair. 
because you have an unfair advantage when you walk into a room. You know, when I walk into a room for an interview or something, I'm looking at the person next to me, I was like, little do you know <laughs> that I may look like I'm surrounded. <laughs> but I'm surrounded, I'm walking in here with an unfair advantage, and which is his favor. His favor can open up doors for us that, I always say this and I repeat this, our resume can't withhold, our background, you may look or seem unqualified, but favor is what you need. And I shared the testimony of what God did in my life last week. And I received some testimonies over the week of things God did with favor. Not intellect, but favor. And I would preach that until the day I die. Number one thing we need to search is for salvation. We need salvation, but the other thing that we get as a benefit is favor. So today I just want to go, uh, I, I'm, I'm a lover of the Old Testament. I really love the Old Testament because I, I like stories. And if you're into movies, anyone into movies in here? I know Dougie is. Dougie's like the number one movie critic in the world. He's, he's seen every movie in the catalog. You can ask him, no lie. Just ask him at the end, not right now, at the end of service. And you, you'll, he'll, he'll be like, yeah, that's the one with such and such. I'm like, Yo, you're an encyclopedia of movies. So I know for sure he likes movies. But if you like movies or, or soap operas or drama <laughs> or gossip, <laughs> not that there's anyone here, but anyone listening to the podcast that likes gossip, the Old Testament is full of everything. You think that the Mexican soap operas come up with stuff? Read yourself some Leviticus. Read yourself some Judges or First and Second Kings. First and Second Samuel. If you want to know drama, like TNT, if you want to know drama, pick up the Old Testament, man. And I love the Old Testament. And today, we're going to dive a little bit into the book of Exodus. Exodus. Let me just give you some background on the book of Exodus. The, the book of Exodus, it's truly about the exit. That's where the word exit comes from, from Exodus. The exit of the people of Israel from Egypt. All right, so I gave you uh, that one for free today. You don't have to pay me for that. But that's where Exodus means. It means exit. So this, this book, it's entirely about how the people of Israel were in captivity and how they left Egypt. So let's go together to Exodus chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 20 through 24. Y'all with me? All right, let's go. Verse 20, it says, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. If you're not a sacrilegious person and you write on your Bible uh, and you don't feel that's a sin against God, go ahead and <laughs> circle along the way. Highlighting it in your uh, Bible app or in the notes that you're taking, I want you to circle that part. Along the way. I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and bring to you, and, and to bring you, I'm sorry, to the place that I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says, period. Attention and listen to what he says. See, there are things that God is doing in our lives that we can't see them because we don't, we're not paying attention. There's breakthroughs all around us that we can't see because 
we're not paying attention. And I'm not, I'm not saying we're paying attention to stupid things. I'm just saying that we're not paying attention to the right thing. See, pay attention and listen to him. Listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not, and I repeat, he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen, everyone say if. if. Everyone say if. if. This is how I speak to the boys. Hey, if you do it, you'll get this. If. It's a conditional if. Meaning that something needs to happen in order to. Right? If you say yes, we get married. If. Right? If you work, you get paid. If. Right? So if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, not half, not 75%, do I say, this is my favorite part, I will be an enemy to your enemies. Tell the person next to you, you better like me. You better like me. Because if you're my enemy, the Lord will be your enemy. (laughs) I will be an enemy to your enemies. Think about this. How do you, for those that are parents, how do you feel when someone speaks bad about your children? So just imagine how God feels when someone speaks bad about his children. So he becomes an enemy to your enemies. So your enemies don't stand a chance against you. And he says, he and I will oppose those that oppose you. In other words, you don't have to fight for yourself. You don't have to open your mouth. I got you. I am an enemy to your enemies. I oppose those that oppose you. So if somebody is bad-mouthing you, somebody is, is, is racing gossip against you, you bless them in the name of Jesus. And you tell them, you found yourself a tough opponent. There's someone that fights my battles for me. He becomes an enemy to my enemies. That's how much the Lord loves us. He opposes those that oppose us. And he says, my angel, there goes that angel again. My angel will go ahead of you. And we'll bring you to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Canaanites, Hivites, Hebusites, and I will wipe them. I will wipe them out. Do not bow before their gods, lowercase g, or worship them or follow their practices. See, what the Lord is saying is after I remove your enemies, don't pick up where they left off. After I remove the people from your life that caused you to sin, don't take their position. Do not follow their patterns. Once I wipe them out, don't you pick up the slack. (laughs) Once I eliminate the people that are against you, don't become your own worst enemy. See, don't follow what they were doing in their practices. And he says, you must demolish them. See, God the Father... Jesus is all love, but God the Father, I'm afraid of God the Father. I have holy fear with God the Father. He says, you must demolish them and break their sacred stones into pieces. This is not a relationship. We're in a battle. Let's jump to verse 28. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. And there's such a theological 
background to this that people don't really get into. I, I don't know if you guys remember a few weeks ago, I was telling for those aspiring preachers, the verses that you do not understand, the verses with a lot of names, with a lot of things that you're like, hey, I'm just going to jump over this and go to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are the ones that you need to pick. You know what's interesting about this? You know why God is sending the hornets? Anyone in the room knows? Because these people were allergic to them. So if a hornet would bite them, they would die. So you, <laughs> the Lord uses what he created to work in your favor. To drive down the enemies out of you. It's using the supernatural through the natural for your benefit. That's insane, because to me, I, I read this and I was like, I need to know why he's using a hornet. I mean, use a rain or, uh, I don't know, a hurricane. Why is he using a hornet? Well, these people had no cure for, a, bite, for uh, 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 a hornet bite. So they would die. So the Lord was like, you know what? I'm going to send 10,000 hornets. So they, they, they needed to flee. Here come the hornets. Can you, can you imagine running from hornets? He says, but this is, this is, this is one of key verse, key, uh, verse 29. But I will not drive them out in a single year. What? Your Lord, you can do this right away. He's like, nah. I'm not going to do this in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals are too numerous for you. 30. Little by little, tell your neighbor little by little. Tell him it sucks, but little by little. Sometimes you would wish the Lord would do it right away. Yes, Lord. Okay, all right. Sometimes you would feel he would just wipe your enemies all away. He's like, not going to do that. Lord, take this away. I can't do it. He's like. And the reason I do it little by little, and I will drive them out before you because I need you to increase. I need your increase. I need your character to develop. I need your relationship to develop. I need your dependency to develop in order for you to take possession of the land. See, I can't give you the land because your character can't hold it. So I need to do it little by little. And how many of us in the room are blessed that the Lord gave us today the thing that he could have given us before? See, I think about the, the, the things God gave me today, gave, he would have given it to me at 25, he would have lost me. The blessings that the Lord is giving me now at 38, my character even at 30 wouldn't hold it. So he's like, hey, Will, you know what? You want it all? You want the land? But I can't do this overnight. I got to trim you. So I'm going to do this little by little. And I'm like, God, but you're sovereign. You're powerful. Just blow and, and eliminate this. Take this from me. He's like, no, 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 no. I can't because I need you to be strong. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea. That's what he parted. To the Mediterranean Sea. And from the desert to the Ephratus River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land. And you will drive them out before you. God add more blessings to his already blessed word. So, just some background. Would you, would you come with me? Yeah, background. 
The people of Israel, they were crying out for 400 years. Maybe you want to say 400. 400 years they were crying out to God for God to deliver them out of captivity, right? So all this time they are waiting on God. Well, the, the, the tables flip and it gets to the point that now God is waiting on them. So what happens is God gives them a land, but they're not ready to possess it because they haven't been in positions of authority for so long that they don't know how to manage a government in a land. They've been slaves for so long. Their mentality has been enslaved for so long that they don't know how to lead. Let me go to this crowd because I don't know if y'all understand what I'm saying. They've been enslaved for 400 years, so my great-grandma, my grandma, my dad, everyone has a slave mentality. Everyone has an employee mentality. Everyone has a yes master mentality. So if I take you out of the land and I make you ruler over the land, you wouldn't know how to hold it because you haven't done this in 400 years. See, because God can take you physically out of Egypt, but sometimes mentally we're not out of Egypt. So what happens is that they go onto this new land, Canaan, and they're like, okay, God, we're ready. Let's establish it. And God is like... I need your mentality to catch up with your body. Your body left Egypt, but you're still not ready to lead. And they're like, God, but do it. And God is like, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it little by little um, until you are strong enough to possess. And I was thinking about so many situations in my life, and I'm like, oh, I understand why I haven't conquered this. Because it's for my own good that the Lord doesn't take it away because I am not ready to possess it. So they've been enslaved for 400 years. They finally find freedom and they don't know how to deal with freedom. They don't know what it is to lead because they're so accustomed to getting whipped. Yes, master, they're women getting raped. So now they're in a position of leadership. They're in a position that they need to establish the land and they don't know how to do it. Yet they come to the Lord and say, Lord, drive them away. We got it. And the Lord's like, no, you're not ready. And I know that many of us have a calling. And I know that many of us want to strive and do something great for the Lord. And you're like, Lord, give me my own thing. And the Lord's like, see, you can't lead yet. See, I need to keep the... Hittites, the Jebusites, I need to keep them around for your own good. And they're waiting on God. Now, God is waiting on them to develop in order to give them full control of the land. Well, we said we've been in captivity for 400 years. They were liberated from Egypt. Like I said, there's a difference between exiting Egypt physically and exiting Egypt mentally. So he gives them some gifts. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them some rules on how to live with each other. He also talks to them about, this is in the book of Exodus, guys. You, you guys have to read this book. He talks to them about social justice. He talks to them about immigration. Yes. How to treat immigrants. What's our response as believers to immigrants? All this is in the word of God. And he gives them three promises. Everyone say three. Three. He gives them three promises in verse 20 that I'm going to go fast through them. But I promise you they will bless your life. So let's read verse 20. Y'all with me? We we good? We good so far? All right, cool. So he says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you 
to guard you. So the first thing that he promises is his protection. His first promise to you is his protection. Now, y'all remember circling along the way? God will bring his protection, but you can't be in your couch at home. See, God can't send his protection to an assignment that you're not there for. <laughs> I've understood throughout time that the greater the assignment is, the greater is the backing that you have from the Lord. Great assignments come with a great backing of the Lord. But the Lord sends his angel ahead of you, not for you. <laughs> he, says, he sends him ahead of you, not for you. And his protection is, his protection is along the way. See, we can't experience divine protection if we're not there in the place that he's called us to go. So number one is protection. And number two, along the way for the place that he has prepared. So he, his promise is that he has a position for you. See, and his position has a higher priority than our preference. And that's called purpose. You see, one of the things that the Lord would never do for us is possess the land for us. He can bring you to the Red Sea, but he won't cross the Red Sea for you. And I said a few weeks ago when I was preaching about that, that many of us are standing in front of the Red Sea taking selfies and doing an IG Live. Oh, look what the Lord did. And the Lord is like, this means nothing if you don't cross it. See, we read in, in verse 21 that it says, you know, be obedient and follow what he says. So sometimes, you know, we ask God for all these things and the Lord does it. And we're like, we, we don't act upon them. So he has a position for everyone say position. So one of the things that he does, and I've come to understand this, I guess when you're maturing Christ, that sometimes God protects us even from our own prayers. See, God's protection, you can only understand it when you're looking backwards. <laughs> At the moment, you don't understand his protection, but that problem, that relationship that broke up, that call that he never called you back, that, te <laughs> Ooh, that text he never answered, that friendship that was broken down the line, you look back and you're like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, because we understand protection in retrospect. We don't understand protection at the moment. See, and one of the things and one of the habits to create a heart of, of praise and when, when you start praising God for the things that did not happen. So when you, got, you, when you got here today, your praise, if there was nothing to give God praise about, you got to thank God for the things that didn't happen. God, thank you because I didn't get in that accident that was for me. Thank you, Lord, because that sickness didn't hit my household. Thank you, Lord, because my children didn't acquire this. We got to start thanking God for the things that did not happen. So as I look back today, when I don't find a reason to praise him, I'm like, God, thank you because that didn't work out. Thank you because I got 
laid off from that job. Thank you, God, because what I thought you had for me was that, but you ended it. See, and sometimes God protects us from our own prayers. If God granted you the things that you've prayed for in the past, you wouldn't be here today. Lord, you know he's my husband. Woo! Don't look to the right. Don't look. Just keep your eyes on me. God protects us even from our own prayers. God, I want this. I want this. And the Lord is like, if I give it to you, I'll lose you. So I'd rather withhold it until your character can catch up. Until you understand that the well comes from me and not from you. See, and one of the things that he established with the people is that they, apart from social justice and all that, he talked about uh, festivals in which they would bring their tithe to the storehouse. Amen. <laughs> because he wanted to create in them dependence. They were depending on a system. Are y'all following me? Yeah. They were depending on the system that enslaved them. Does that sound familiar? Any, any familiarity with what's happening today is pure coincidence. <laughs> but they were dependent on the system that enslaved them, that paid them for their hard labor, that underpaid them for their hard labor, that at the moment that God gave them freedom, they didn't know how to accept it. So the Lord was like, I'm going to do things little by little, but one of the things I'm going to do is that whatever you obtain, you're going to bring to the storehouse for me for you to know that it comes from me and not from you. So he gets protection. He gives us the position. What's tragic about chapter 23 is that an entire generation didn't enter into the promised land. And I was telling the Spanish crowd, I was like, I don't know about you, but I believe that the worst thing that can happen is le leaving Egypt and not accessing the promised land than not leaving e Egypt at all. Like, one of the things, and, and for those that are in, in the class on Tuesday, we're going to touch on this. We're going to talk about the table of spiritual vitality. And one of the things that the table of spiritual vitality talks about is holy discontent. Everyone say holy discontent. Holy discontent. Holy discontent tells you, thank you, Jesus, because what you've done. Thank you for saving me. Thank you because I'm going to heaven, but I feel there's more. Greater things you would do in my name, right? The very same power that resurrected Christ from the dead is within you today. You know, nothing is about it. So, so there's a holy discontent within me that, Lord, I'm grateful, but I know there's more. I know there's more. And there was a whole generation that spent 40 years walking in the desert, something they could have done in two weeks. They were going around in circles. And I've preached about this before. It wasn't a season. It became a pattern. So if you're struggling with something for a long period of time, hey, that's no longer a season. That's a pattern that you need to break with. And, and, and they were in this pattern, and an entire generation couldn't possess the land because they couldn't take the step of faith. And I was telling the crowd this morning, I was like, how heartbreaking would it be for God to free you from sin, from God to free you from hell, from, for God to give you a new name, for you to be now his child, and you don't access the promises of God, 
and this is going to mess with your theology, and that's okay. The promises of God are optional. They're not given. They're optional. And I'll tell you why. You can either decide to live in joy or you can decide to live without joy. You can decide to live in freedom or you can decide to live in bondage. See, God doesn't possess the land for you because if he would make you possess the land, that wouldn't be love, that would be cruelty. He can bring you, he can bring you, y'all reading that? He can bring you to the place he's prepared for you, but he can't possess the place for you. So he gives you protection. He gives you protection, I'm sorry. He gives you your position. But also, this is a, a, bad, a bad word. He prepares you. Preparation. And this is a bad word. Because in the church, we don't like this word. We like microwave blessings. And we just read that he said little by little. See... I need, I, need, I need you to strengthen your spiritual stamina, your character, your identity in me, that you're rooted enough in me that you can withhold the blessing. My parents always say, my dad always preaches, he says, there's people that God can't even give them a scooter. There's people that God can't even give them a dollar extra per hour at work. They wouldn't know what to do with it. There's a lot of people that say, hey, listen, man, if I made the money, I'm like, you can't tithe with the, what you make, right? You're not a giver. You're not generous with what you, what makes you believe you're going to be, hey, listen, more money, just, <laughs> more money just maximizes, extrapolates who you really are. So he gives the preparation. So he says, listen, I can't, I can't pull these people out in a day. The Hittites, the Selilites. <laughs> he said, I can't pull them in a day for your own good. And this is where I struggle with the Lord because I'm like, Lord, you're powerful. You took me out of sin. I'm no longer, we sing it, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Give me everything I need. He's like, no, 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 no. You ain't ready, son. If I were to open up the windows of heaven for you and reveal your glory, you will start believing it's you. So I need to keep something in you. And we'll get to that in a moment. I, I gotta keep something that nudges you to redirect you to me. So preparation. Is this helpful? Is this helpful? And like I said, in number four, he brings you to a place to possess. The angel will go before you, but the angel won't go for you. Verse 30. says, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals are too numerous for you. So I was reading upon this. You know that all those ites, the Hittites, the Hebusites, they were experts in dealing with wild animals. The reason that the Lord keeps enemies around you 
the reason that the Lord keeps some things around your life is because you need them for your development. The wild animals are too much for you. They weren't used to dealing with wild animals, so the Lord kept these people around for them to fight that battle. In other words, the Lord will use the people in your life that seem to be enemies to bless your life, to fight for you. He says, I can't, I can't drive them out because who's going to deal with the wild animals? I was like, God, you are perfect in all of your ways. You're even perfect in leaving people in my life to deal with the things that are coming to devour me. I always say that the toughest people to deal with in your life are the people that are not optional. Because if they were optional, you would X them away. But did you know that God leaves those people around to fight the wild animals for you? Ooh, my God. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. I'm going to let you see how I drive them out. And I'm going to do this until you have increased. You have increased enough. And this reminded me of Paul. How many of you guys heard of Paul? Not Paul from church, but Paul from the Bible. Pablo. Paul was a man that God selected. And this guy had a great ministry. He was the man that brought the gospel to the Gentiles. He's the fulfilled promise of Abraham. God tells Abraham, your descendants will be like the stars in the, in the sky. So Paul comes to fulfill that promise that God gave Abraham, and he brings the, he brings the gospel to the Gentiles. He, he preaches all throughout Asia, Persia, and, and, and he evangelizes all that, and he's being used powerfully by the Lord. And before that, I don't know if you guys remember, I preached about Paul having a, a past. And his job was to kill Christians. And God, in his merciful ways, didn't allow him to execute his ministry till eight years after, little by little. Because it was hard to bring him as an invited guest preacher, because how are you going to introduce this man? Hey, today we have Paul and his previous um, occupation. He was to walk in here and murder all of you. Like, so he wasn't getting any invites to preach. He has an encounter with the Lord. The Lord knocks him off his horse. The, God, the Lord takes him to, to, to the heavens, and he has many revelations. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, or because these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. For those of us that the Lord speaks to us, let's be careful. <laughs> the room got really quiet. <laughs> For those of us that have an intimacy with the Lord and the Lord delivers a word, let's be humble. He says, hey, I've had these great revelations. The Lord has revealed so many things. So you know what he does? <laughs> 
he keeps something by my side for me not to feel that I'm holier than thou. For me not to feel, hey, you know what? The Lord speaks to me. Hallelujah. Blesses the name of the Lord. Salutations, saints. In order to keep me from thinking that it's about me, in order for for his glory to be revealed, not mine, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Thorn in my flesh. He battled with something that was not spiritual. The Bible does not say what he battled with. Many theologians believe that he struggled with criticism. Others believe that he struggled with women, but no one really knows. And I believe that the word doesn't say it because we, he, the, the Lord wants us all to relate. Because if he would have said it, he was like, oh, well, I don't deal with that. He says he was given a thorn in his flesh. And check this out. The Lord gave him the thorn, but it was delivered from a messenger of Satan to torment me. I don't know if that's messing with you, but that was messing with me. So hold on. The Lord gave me a thorn that was sent by a... So hold on. The Lord and, and the devil are working together to... They don't want to see me shine. They don't want to see me, they don't want to see me be great. But this is the thing. Go to verse 10 of, of 2 Corinthians 12. I need you to pay attention here. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, heavy sights, <laughs> in insults, hittites, in hardships, in persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Go back to verse 7. The messenger from Satan had the thorn to torment him. Yet when it was delivered, it was for him to be. I'm going to say that again until you catch it. Whatever the devil intended to torment me, the Lord is going to use it to create a dependency. So yes, it was sent. It was sent by a messenger from Satan. But the Lord turned it around and used it for his grace. He said, I want to grace that part. So now when I read Exodus 23, 29, and 30, now it makes sense. It made sense why the Lord didn't take everything at, at once. Because the Lord wanted to create dependency. And I know that many of us have prayers. And I, I got good news and I got bad news this morning. The bad news are that there are things in your life that the Lord is not going to remove. So stop praying for it. If it's a husband or a wife, <laughs> if it's a child, if it's a situation, the Lord is not even going to make it better. That's the bad news. The good news is that he's going to grace that part. He's going to grace that part. And what that means is that every time you get hit from that thing that you're struggling with, you're going to back, go back and say, Lord, I need you in this. 
I always heard a preacher say, and to me this was theologically broken. It's like God will never allow you to be 100%. And I always say, hold on. He came to make me whole. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That's what the word says, you know, you know, all things are made new through Christ. You know, we are a new creation in Christ. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I can do all things through Christ. He, I, 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 yeah. Hold on, what you, what you mean he, he don't want me 100%? He says the Lord needs to keep you broken. There's a part of you that will always be broken because that's the part in which you need him the most. If he were to fix that side of you, he could probably lose you. But that's the thing that Paul, the, the word says that he pleaded three times. He's like, pleaded means begging. Lord, if this marriage wasn't as tough, I could serve you so much better. Man, if my child wasn't like this, can you imagine how much I can serve in your kingdom? He's like, no, because that's the thing that ties you to me. Lord, if my attitude wasn't, call my, you may die with the same attitude. But the Lord wants to grace that attitude. But if, 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 if I wasn't so outspoken, man, if I were able to just shut my mouth at times, and the Lord's like, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to change it. I want to grace it. Because I want to create dependency on me. And as I think about the people of Israel, and I think about the way maker, as we close today, there are many things that we're praying for, both individual, individual prayers, but also corporate prayers. And there's things that we're asking God to do that he already did. We're asking God to open up the Red Sea, and he already opened it. We just got to walk through it. And also we're asking God to do things that he's not going to do. And that may sound to you as discouraging as it may sound. Will, what are you talking about? That the Lord doesn't listen to my prayers? I'm like, no. What I'm saying is that the Lord loves you too much to remove it. If he were to remove that thing from you, how would your prayer life be? I said a few weeks ago that sometimes we're praying, God, this has been the toughest season of my life. And God is answering back, this has been the best prayer season of your life. saying, God, this has been the toughest financial season in my life, and God is hollering back, this has been the season in which you've depended on me the most. I believe salvation is instantaneously. I believe that when the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, you're automatically saved. I believe that salvation happens in a moment, but I believe that sanctification is a mortgage. I believe that freedom is a process. And let us be careful when we judge somebody's process into freedom. God can do it in a couple weeks for me, in a couple years. It may take him 10 years to process somebody else. That little by little doesn't have an amount of time. It is little by little. 
And I think that many times we make the mistake of believing that sanctification is something that happens overnight. And I think that the word, as we read it in verse 29, he said he's going to do it little by little until you get stronger, the Spanish version says. Until you come into the fullness of who you are. See, and I'll close with this as we stand to our feet. The enemy can't outmuscle you, can't outpower you. The only thing that the enemy can do is distract you. And if the enemy can get you to be distracted with the lights, oh, there's a light over here, oh, there's a light over here, oh, there's a job, oh, there's a, another relationship, oh, there's a friendship, oh, there's another church over here, oh, there's a... If he can get you with the lights and you don't walk into the fullness of who you are, he won the battle. But when you start growing roots and you understand your identity and that you understand that you're called to possess that not only to arrive, but to possess it. See, some of us are complaining about situations that we're in our lives that because we're looking at it from the wrong side. See, the Lord has you in that family to possess it. He has you in that job to possess it. He has you in the relationship to possess it. He can bring you to, but he won't possess it for you. The angel of the Lord will go before you, but not for you. And his protection comes along the way, not at home wishing. He would protect you along the way. And like I did this morning, I believe that if we can be honest with ourselves today, I think it's a morning and afternoon to surrender. To just say, Lord, I get it. You're not going to remove it check. I got it. This is the thing that's going to keep driving me to you. I have my own, my personal one, that every time I feel like keeps me from being conceited. One of the things that the Lord does, and I'll share this, this is personal, is that when he gives me a word for somebody, I can't remember it. I don't know what's happened to many of us here that have, come, have asked me later and said, Pastor, what did you say? I'm like, dude, if you didn't record it or, or, or if you don't remember, it's hard for me. And he does that in my life. I'm talking about a personal testimony because he chose me at a very young age. And one of the things I used to do at an early age is I would remember. So in conversations, I would bring it up. So the Lord is like... stab me right there and for, for the life of me I can't remember when I deliver a word for someone. It helps me from becoming conceited. I don't know what your thorn is. This, that's one of my thorns. I have many. <laughs> Guilty as charged. But that thing when it stirs up and when it comes when it comes to the surface of the ocean, but when it rises up, I need to just come to my knees and be like, God, I need you to grace this part. I, I try to handle it on my own, but this, you know I struggle with this, Lord. You know this, and, and I need you to intervene here because every time I try to handle that part, I mess it up. So I need you to grace, more grace, just a bath of grace in that area. So I don't know what you've been praying for. 
comes along the way. As I do it, he backs me up. And if great is the demand, great is the supply. I believe that. So this morning, it's afternoon already to surrender. Just say, God, as, as we sing the song, just say, God, I, I, I know you're not going to, I understand that you're not going to remove it. That I may probably need to deal with this for the rest of my life, but I surrender it to you, oh God. And I ask you to just grace that part. Let's sing. Join us next week for another powerful word. See you soon. Be blessed.